Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Shortly, we're going to bring in VEASAN's Tim Murray. We're going to go through all the Sweet 16 matchups, and then we'll wrap up with some NBA MVP chat. Drew, uh, quiet weekend. How'd you enjoy it? Yeah, I was just you know looking for stuff to do. Um, you know, it was, uh, no, I had great great fun. Uh, spent a couple of days in Vegas. Went up to Mammoth, did some skiing. We had all time all all time conditions, Bluebird Day, uh, and then got to watch Carlos Alcaraz bring home a, a nice Baccarat Crystal Trophy uh, at the end of Indian Wells, and uh, that was that was really something. Really, really special tournament for Alcaraz, nineteen uh, year old kid here, and he's producing some of the most beautiful tennis you've ever seen. Uh, just a masterful performance in the final against Medvedev and uh, excited to see if you can back that up in Miami. Uh, what other thing I very much learned this weekend, Jay, last year I ran really, really hot in March Madness, having no information, no real read on, you know, the fabric of the tournament and just kind of, uh, you know, you know, just shot lucky, I guess, ran good. Uh, this year, the opposite. Uh, regression quite hard for me. I think uh, I'm looking at, I'm out of every pool, basically, I'm in. Uh, I owe money in the Calcuttas that I'm in. Uh, and I think uh, the, you know, the, 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 it really set in seeing Drake, you know, give up a 14 to one run to Miami to end that, uh, that round one game was like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't my tournament. Uh, and then I had a huge, huge position on Auburn. Uh, and then I think they somehow missed 20 free throws in the second half of that game against Houston. It was like uh, literally like the lid was on the basket every time uh, Johnny Brooms stepped to the free throw line. So uh, at least I uh, I didn't go out swinging on Purdue was going to uh, you know was going to win at any price. Uh, but uh, it was still a very painful March Madness first weekend for me. So uh, you know just a just a good reminder to stay in your lane sometimes. Yes, uh, yeah. Fortunately, I've been more invested in um, blockbusters like Celtics Jazz on Saturday night, <laughs> cheering for Walker. Really good game. Great game. Great game. Better than anything I've seen in March Madness, to be honest. Uh, yeah, just Taylor Horton Tucker just um, delivering off the pick and roll late. But anyway, enough Taylor Horton Tucker. Let's bring in Tim Murray from Beeson. Tim. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope you didn't have uh, Gonzaga. Uh, spread or Purdue money line or Arizona money line <laughs> and such. But uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, talking about the Thursday regionals, Kansas State, Michigan State, uh, they're one and a half point favorites. The total is 137 and a half. Uh, what do you make of this one? Well, I just want to correct uh, Drew real quick. 
Uh, Drew, it wasn't a 14 one run. It was a 16 to one run. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Not that yeah. I had Drake <laughs> right yeah, into so. Memphis uh, while I was watching that on a plane ride as they gave it away late in that game. Uh, but we move on, we press on and, uh, you know, we, uh, we try to find some winners. Yeah. Uh, the Michigan state, Kansas state game, Madison square garden, just the scene. Um, obviously, you know, Michigan state fans, I think will will take over, uh, that arena to an extent. Um, you've got Tennessee and Florida Atlantic, uh, that'll be the late game, but, um, I, I always say this, you know, to an extent, not always, but the line kind of tells you a story, right? And this mm-hmm. is a seven seed in Michigan State that's laying points here against Kansas State, and the market has been pretty reactionary to to the Spartans uh, in this spot. Um, you know, maybe Kansas State not getting enough love. Uh, that was a, a really impressive performance. Remember, they were a dog against Kentucky mm-hmm. and uh, pulled that out. Jerome Tang has done an incredible job uh, in his first year there with the Purple Cats. Uh, to get them to this point. But, you know, Michigan State, certainly, uh, when you think about Tom Izzo and the way that he is has thrived uh, in, in the NCAA tournament in this one-and-done type of uh, situation, uh, a great 3.2 shooting team, which is sometimes a gift and a curse. I mean, we've seen some really good three-point shooting teams uh, just fall flat on their face. You know, I had Utah State in the first round against Missouri, shot four of 24 from the three. Uh, top 10 three-point shooting team. I mean, sometimes those variants kind of hit you hard. Um, you know, think about Kansas State, though. Um, you know, they, they've got some they got some guys. I mean, Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson, uh, those are guys that will play, you know, basketball for a long, long time. And, um, you know, one thing that, w- that has impressed me with Kansas State is I saw a, a, a nugget uh, when it came about, you know, the Purple Cats entering the NCAA tournament, and it was – you know, top seeded teams, one through four that had dropped two or more in a row heading into the NCAA tournament were 17 and 0 straight up and 14 and three ATS. Whoa. And Kansas State fell into that category and uh, they took care of business against Montana State. And uh, here they are rolling. So uh, I don't have a personal play on this one yet. Um, you know, looking at Michigan State a little bit here in this spot, just kind of riding the hot hand, right? I mean, you know, what they did against USC, especially pulling away in the second half and then. You know, yesterday against Marquette, um, you know, for Marquette, uh, this isn't a knock on them because I thought they played kind of over their skis the entire year, guys. You know, to win the Big East, to win the Big East mm-hmm. tournament as a team picked to finish ninth in the Big East preseason. I mean, mm-hmm. the only teams that they were picked to finish ahead of were Georgetown and DePaul. And uh, they ultimately, you know, were the two seed in the East region. But, um, you know, Michigan State in this spot lay into – would be a, will look a little bit there uh, towards the Spartans, but uh, but no no official play yet for me on, on this one. As I was cruising prices in this region, and you know the East as it stands, by far the weakest of what is left, uh, and I'm kind of shocked that Tennessee's only plus one twenty to come out of this region. Um, they, they look like the class of this, uh, you know, of who is left. Uh, and even though, yeah, Tom Izzo does create magic in the month of March. We all know this. It's been this way for 20, 20 some years. Uh, but it still feels like recency bias to make Michigan State a favorite in this game. And particularly, uh, you know, going up against what is a true top four team in, you know, in the Tennessee uh, balls who got underseeded as a four seed. Um, any swing away on uh, Tennessee plus 120 to win the East? You know, it's interesting, Drew, because you think back to the second round and, you know, people thought they were stealing money by laying a short number with Duke, right? I mean, Thursday night, 
Duke wins by 23 against Oral Roberts, Tennessee life and death with Louisiana Lafayette. And, you know, so many people out there, uh, maybe not ones I necessarily uh, run to for my betting advice, but uh, a lot of people uh, with big platforms were saying, oh, Duke's going to win the East region. And, you know, they got pros and the way they were playing, especially defensively. I understood that. But, you know, I said it on Thursday night. Look, we, we're going to have to take Tennessee in this spot. This is going to be a massive public play on Duke. And, you know, to Tennessee's credit, here's the thing, though, Drew, I said it all along about Tennessee. I'm not going to trust this team. You know, they're really elite defensively, but they can run into ruts offensively. So at that short price, personally, I wouldn't be interested in Tennessee. And I actually have a play on the Owls, Florida Atlantic, uh, in this one. Uh, There's still a six out there, uh, at least where I am in Las Vegas at Circa. Uh, I think you're going to start to see some play on Florida Atlantic. You know, once again, Florida Atlantic, a bit of a variant team, um, you know, pretty good three-point shooting team. Really didn't play all that well, in my opinion, against Fairleigh Dickinson. Obviously, as I mentioned, was fortunate to beat Memphis in the first round, if not for, you know, a Kendrick Davis turnover late in that one and, you know, some questionable uh, decisions down the stretch by Memphis. But that all being said, you know, when you're Tennessee and you're a team that kind of plays this slow, methodical style Laying a number like six is is really a risky proposition, especially against an FAU team that I think can can you know shoot and fill it up quite well. So uh, I took the six of Florida Atlantic in this spot, um, you know, and and I think too, Drew and 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 JD, I think you know the NCAA tournament two of the most for the most part, uh, especially from round one to round two, was one of the most reactionary betting situations where I think us as people who kind of keep an eye on this. Uh, you know, and, and, and don't instinctually react, can take advantage of that. So it's like, what have you done for me lately, right? Tennessee Duke was the perfect example of Tennessee struggled. Duke was great. The line was overinflated. Now maybe we get a little bit of a reset here. So I like the Owls here to keep it close. I don't know if Tennessee – hey, maybe, Drew, we can work together. You know, if we can get a handshake where Tennessee wins by one to five. <laughs> yeah, I just want to win. Make that work <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, if you can get six, that's a good number because it's starting to crack down towards five where it is on points bet at the moment. Let's uh, jump to Arkansas, UConn. UConn, three and a half point favorites. The total is 139 and a half. UConn, I think, were a pretty popular bet to go all the way uh, pre-tournament where they were in that 18 to one range that has now effectively halved into plus 900. Uh, Pretty solid start from UConn. Tim, what do you make of this game? Well, another team, you know, Drew, you mentioned Tennessee and how the metrics like uh, Tennessee. UConn was kind of the darling, right? I mean, they mm-hmm. were a four seed in the West and they were fourth in Ken Palm. I mean, this is a team that uh, the metrics have really loved ever since they went out to Portland, you know, around Thanksgiving time and won the PK 85. Uh, they ran as high as number one in Ken Palm. So this is a team that the metrics have loved, kind of had a little bit of a rocky road. You know, they lose the, the semifinal in the big East tournament. But, you know, I, I, I do wonder, you know, with UConn, you look at inside that box score against St. Mary's and, you know, uh, a resource that I use a lot is a, a feed called shot quality. And they said, you know, that, that was really more of like a pick em type game at the end of the day, just based off of all their numbers against St. Mary's. And, and wasn't this blowout that maybe you saw the thing about Arkansas that I find so intriguing is, they can drive you absolutely crazy. I had Arkansas in the first round against Illinois. 
They threw an alley-oop up 10. They missed it with like a minute 45 to go. They're fouling with 15 <laughs> seconds to go up like eight or nine. So they're, they're a team that can yeah. drive you crazy. But the talent is undeniable. I mean, they have two lottery picks on that roster. And, you know, Musselman, <laughs> whatever you want to say about him and his antics and, you know, jumping up on the scores table and waving his, you know, shirt all around his head, I mean, he gets it done, man. I mean, he's been the two straight elite eights last year. Remember, in this round, last year, Arkansas went up against Gonzaga and took him out. So, uh, I, I, I'm, you know, I took Arkansas on, on Saturday against Kansas. I didn't think they win the game outright, but I just I thought getting the points with an arguably more talented team uh, was, was maybe a way to go there, ultimately pull it off. So, uh, the look for me is Arkansas here to take the points here. Still got to dive into it a little bit more, but you're starting to see a little bit of respect in the market come for the, for the Razorbacks, right? This thing opened four, and it's just ticked down just a little bit down to three and a half. So, you know, talent alone, um, I, I would have to lean towards Arkansas in this spot. Yeah, and I mean, not, a, uh, uh, not an expert. I'd college basketball as noted off the top. Uh, but at the same time, like this seems like a little bit of a potential look ahead spot for UConn. <laughs> like they're already thinking about UCLA Gonzaga and who they're going to face in the uh, elite eight. And uh, Arkansas could be the spoiler here for what would be a pretty um, unbelievable elite eight, regardless of what happens in the other side of that uh, uh, region, which brings me to the key question. What happens on the other side of this region, Tim? UCLA Gonzaga. This is the best game of the Sweet 16 by a mile. And uh, yeah, I don't. I, I I can't wait to see this play out. Kind of surprised UCLA opened his favorites. This is the game, man. Uh, there's no doubt. And and the market, uh, you know, to 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 your point, Drew, about kind of your your shock of of how this opened. I've been surprised at how it's moved. I mean, the market is respecting UCLA here. I think the worry you have to have about Gonzaga, and by the way, just a quick aside, you know, for all the dopes out there who say, oh, you know, Gonzaga doesn't play anyone from January to March. Yeah, they're in their <laughs> eighth consecutive Sweet 16, which is now the third longest streak of all time. So, you know, it doesn't really matter all that much. Uh, they're, they're pretty darn good and know what they're doing out there uh, in Spokane. Um, going against Gonzaga, I'll, 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 I'll go on both sides here. So going against Gonzaga and why that should scare you. The second half last night, what that offense is capable of in a blink. They get up and go. They are a flamethrower, man, when they get rolling offensively. And you saw it last night, whether it's inside and out. I mean, Drew Timmy's got an old man game that, you know, makes 45-year-old dudes at the uh, at the Y just uh, cry because it's so elite of, of just – he had one move where he shook with his left and then kind of came back with this – you know, baseline hook. I'm like, how do you, how does he even do that? Um, but they got guard play too. Now it's not elite guard play. It's not Jalen Suggs guard play like it once was, but you know, this is a team that has the best offense in the country uh, since, you know, the past six, seven weeks of the year, according to Bart Torvik is the best team in the country. But what worries me certainly is that UCLA, they can defend man. But they're missing their best defender. And that's certainly been the biggest question about this Bruins team moving forward, guys, is how is this team going to respond when they don't have Jalen Clark out there, which they won't for the remainder of the year? And I think that's that's the question you have to have. I mean, they bulldoze UNC Asheville. Uh, you know, <laughs> Northwestern gets the fortunate cover there with a, a late foul in the closing seconds to cover that number. But, you know, these are two teams – Veteran teams, obviously, you know, you think back to two years ago, 
And a lot of those players from UCLA's team were on that roster when they lost at the buzzer against Gonzaga in the final four, when Jalen Suggs hit the, uh, hit the buzzer beater. So, you know, when I look at this game, uh, my initial inclination just blindly was to, to roll with Gonzaga, but I do get a bit worried knowing that this is a, a, a Gonzaga defense guys that really, really struggles. And, you know, when you break down historically who wins championships, it's these teams that are balanced between offensive and defensive efficiency numbers. And that's not what Gonzaga is. They're number one in offense, 76 in defense. And you saw it last night where TCU can really, really got going. And when you look at UCLA, albeit without Jalen Clark, which is obviously the big concern and probably why I haven't gotten to the window yet on UCLA, I do have a UCLA future because I thought this was the most complete team in the country, guys, when healthy. Obviously, they're not healthy right now. So, um, you know, the market's respecting UCLA. I do wonder if that – is it a head fake? Are you going to see people come back in on Gonzaga? My guess, guys, is this going to be a very heavily two-way game, um, and I can't wait to watch it. Look at that total. That's high. You know, maybe maybe you look – it's scary to say play it under uh, in a Gonzaga game when they are, you know, they have the ability that they have. So we'll see. But I think UCLA is going to want to, you know, muddy up the gun, you know, works here. There's the second best team in the country per defensive efficiency. But once again, the big mm-hmm. asterisk next to that is no Jalen Clark. Yeah, Tim, I think that shot you mentioned from Jalen Suggs that he hit, I think that's the actual, the last shot that he hit on a basketball court. I don't think he's actually made one in Orlando yet. Uh, before we get to Friday's games, a reminder to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in the App Store today. NetCredit is here to say yes because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It's time to get your swagger back with PointsBet Sportsbook. New customers can sign up now with the code BETTHEEDGE to get five second-chance bets up to $500. That's five straight days of second chances where PointsBet will match your losing wager in free bets. So use the promo code BETTHEEDGE and enjoy more live betting markets than ever before. PointsBet, it's your move.
New customers only. Must be 21 plus and present in Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Virginia, or West Virginia. In partnership with Louisiana iGaming LP, DBA Boomtown, New Orleans. Second chance means that if any of your first five cash bets, that is the first bet per day for five consecutive days on a fixed odds market loses, you will receive free bets in the amount of the losing wager up to $100 each. Cash out is not available on all wagers and may not be equivalent to the initial wager. PointsBet can disable or suspend the cash out feature at any time. Additional terms and conditions apply. See the promotions page and terms and conditions section of the PointsBet website app for more details. Void where prohibited. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Colorado or Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. In Virginia, call 1-888-532-3500. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Pennsylvania, call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-6867 in Louisiana. All right, let's talk Friday regional San Diego State against Alabama, a one seed that's actually taking care of business. Alabama seven point favorites, totals sitting at one hundred and thirty five and a half. What do you think of this one, Tim? So, look, the Mountain West uh, has become a punching bag um, because they stink in the NCAA tournament. Right? They had four teams make it, three teams bounced in the first round, but not for San Diego State. Now, San Diego State. Got the miraculous cover against College of Charleston with the uh, with the late foul, but they took care of business and really uh, stifled a, a Furman team in the second round. Alabama has cruised so far, as you mentioned. Um, you know, last second three against Texas A&M Corpus Christi got the Islanders home for the cover, but that game never in doubt. And you look at you know the fact that uh, Brandon Miller didn't even score against Texas A&M Corpus Christi was was quite something. When this Alabama team is right, as we've seen in the SEC tournament. And really the first two games here, there's a reason they're now guys plus 350 at most spots and the favorite to win the NCAA tournament. I kind of like San Diego State here. Um, I think this is a team that's going to make it really hard for Alabama to get what they want to do. You know, styles makes fights. And, you know, Maryland, they were one of the slowest teams in the country. Alabama is one of the fastest teams in the country. Ultimately, Alabama, excuse me, was just way too much for Maryland. and They pulled away. I, I, I'm going to look and I actually took I'm going to take San Diego State. I'm just going to wait and see if, you know, the public kind of pushes this up a little bit more because, you know, people love offense. People love what they've seen last and what we've seen so far. To your point, Jay, is, hey, this is an Alabama team that has looked like a one seed, has not struggled. You know, Houston struggled in the first round against Northern Kentucky, was down double digits at halftime to Auburn. The other two one seeds are gone. This is the true best team remaining. All right, well, let's see him prove it against an elite defensive team in San Diego State, a veteran team. You know, my worry about taking San Diego State here, a defensive-oriented team against a team that is pretty elite offensively like Alabama, is that they can just, you know, outscore them and run them off the floor. But I think San Diego State, in my opinion, is more equipped to slow things down and play at their own pace than maybe what Maryland was capable of doing in the second round. So I'm looking at the Aztecs here. Like I said, haven't played it yet because – Hey, you know, people like what they saw last and 
maybe we can get that hook on this on this spot and get that seven and a half. So I'm just going to kind of sit back and wait because I do think San Diego State has the ability to slow this thing down. And, and I'll say one last thing about this game, guys, that, that tells you where how the market is kind of uh, reacting, maybe not with the point spread in favor of San Diego State, but you can see it in the total. The total has started to drop quite yeah. uh, quite considerably uh, from the open. I think this has dropped about four or five points you know, from the from the opener to where it is now. And that would indicate that the market, the people who can influence this market, guys, think this will be more of a slog than it will be up-tempo. So that would lean me to say that the Aztecs are more of the side in this spot. That makes sense. Uh, and honestly, I think uh, if the total's coming down, if this is a tighter game, the points are going to look pretty appealing to a lot of the professional players out there. Uh, I would think seven is probably going to go the other way. Uh, so I'm going to, if, if, if getting involved, I would not uh, wait until day of here. Uh, because I don't think you're going to get seven points. Uh, that said, Alabama was they were the winners of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> the entire side of that bracket, uh, you know, really, this San Diego State game feels like probably they could be their toughest test on the way to a final. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they lost to Tennessee, and if Tennessee Alabama is your, you know, is your semifinal game, that'll be you know must watch, very very entertaining. But uh, this uh, this feels like. You know, Alabama survive in advance, and then you know you really you're, you're talking about uh, you know a pretty straightforward path to the finals here. So uh, we'll see uh, we'll see how this uh, ends up breaking down. But uh, the other half of their bracket, as we mentioned, features the Blue Jays and the Tigers. The Tigers, obviously, not everyone. Oh wait, Princeton Tigers. Princeton is in the Sweet Sixteen. Tim, uh, Princeton Tigers, that is. And I uh, I really did not uh, see this coming in any way, you know, shape or, or form. Uh, I was telling people who, you know, you know, you know, watching basketball with over the weekend, I was more surprised with the Princeton upset over Arizona than I was even with Purdue losing to Farley Dickinson. Uh, I, even though, you know, numbers would say that was a more outrageous result. Um, what do you make of this run? And uh, I mean, should the team with the best player on the court be getting 10 points? Look, I, I don't know. I mean, look, last year, something about the state of New Jersey at this time of year for some reason, right? Last year was St. Peter's. This year, it's Fairleigh Dickinson and Princeton. Back-to-back years, we get 15 seeds from New Jersey, making it to the Sweet 16. So uh, throw up your shoulders. You know, like we saw last year, the run ended hard for St. Peter's in the Elite Eight against UNC. Just the bet, the athletes emerged there. Um, I, I don't think this is a spot necessarily where, you know, Creighton's going to overwhelm them with uh, with athletic ability. But, you know, we talk about the metrics a lot. The metrics love Creighton and they have all year. I mean, this is a team that is top 15 in defensive efficiency, top 25 in offensive efficiency. They could shoot the ball incredibly well. Uh, they got a rim changer uh, and Ryan Kalkbrenner, 7-1 center. Uh, Baylor Shireman can light it up from from outside, even though his numbers haven't been phenomenal this year. But they got great shooters. Uh, they know how to space it. Uh, I was really impressed by their performance yesterday against Baylor. Um, you know, the Blue Jays ended up a favorite. And, you know, I was texting with uh, your producer, Adam Wise, and we were like, yeah, this line, once again, going back to sometimes the line tells you a story. Creighton being a favorite over Baylor, I think in the eyes of your casual better, I was like, huh, really? That doesn't seem to make sense. But this team, there's a, you know, I felt like preseason, guys, this was a team that was getting way too much love. And then they hit this lull in the regular season where they lost six in a row. Ryan Kalkbrenner had mono. 
and they lost, you know, they, they hit this stretch. Then they kind of rose back up and then they kind of skidded again and lost to Xavier in the Big East tournament by 20 plus. I don't really want to lay 10 here. Um, so I'll just be honest there. I did take a, a position on Creighton preseason to win the title at 40 to one. And then I have them to win. You know, I made I took them to win uh, to make it to the final four uh, at 12 to one. So I'm just going to kind of sit back. Um, but I, I, I was surprised that Princeton dismantled Missouri in the way that they did, honestly, in the second round. So that's why, you know, I'm not in the race to lay 10 with a Princeton team that's clearly very well coached, um, you know. And, you know, I think back to the Arizona game that the thing that surprised me about the victory for Princeton over Arizona, you know, we've we've been watching the NCAA tournament our whole lives. And usually when a big upset happens, a team plays out of their minds. They shoot, you know, think back to – it was way back in the day, but Villanova beating Georgetown in the one of the most infamous upsets in a national championship game. I think they shot like 68% from the field or something absurd like that. Princeton shot poorly against Arizona and won. So that was the thing. I was like, whoa, you know, this team just beat Arizona and shot poorly from the field. All right. You know, maybe this team is the real deal. Uh, and then they, they smoke Missouri. So, um, you know, I'm not laying 10 here with Creighton, but I think Creighton's the better team. I think they will emerge, and, you know, we'll see. I, I think, to your point, Drew, I think San Diego State, in my opinion, is a trickier sh- matchup for Alabama than Creighton will be. Even though Creighton's good defensively, I, I don't think stylistically they would be that big of a hindrance for Alabama. I think San Diego State could be the one that would be the more of the fly in the ointment, so to speak for Alabama and their run to a, a final four. Yeah. Tim, I think to your point on the Princeton game, what was so shocking about that is the last few minutes, it never felt like Arizona were going to win. Uh, and it felt like, you know, you're watching the game uh, and as someone who, you know, hasn't w- watched an immense amount of college basketball throughout the season, like who's the two seed here? Which one's the two seed? Because they look very evenly matched. Uh, let's talk about Miami, Houston, uh, Miami, uh, hated on this show now after they took down Drake. Uh, we're a Drake and Carlos Alcaraz show here. Uh, Houston, six and a half point favorites. <laughs> the total is 137 and a half. Uh, what do you like here, Tim? Uh, initial thought, just like, wow, there's a lot of points here, right? I mean, Houston yeah. is a team that uh, I thought would win the national championship coming in. Um, you know, I've had a future on them for quite a bit. Um, very veteran team, guard-oriented. It seems like these two teams do – uh, you know, kind of do the same thing, um, you know, and, and Miami, like you mentioned, uh, enemy number one for the finish against Drake, uh, 16 to one to close out that game. But, you know, Jim Laranega is a coach who, you know, said after the game uh, last night, hey, we didn't play well against Drake and we escaped. We played great tonight against Indiana. So now I do wonder, okay, we've seen, a fortunate performance, then a great performance. What are we going to get in store on Friday night against Houston? Houston's a team that we saw what they're capable of in that second half. And I know, sorry, Drew, I know that brings back some uh, some pain there. But um, this is a team that after they had beat Northern Kentucky, it looked like it was they were at a funeral. Like you know, they had just lost. And then they've got injuries, right, with Jamal Shedd and, and Marcus Sasser. And Shedd didn't play all that well last night. Um, but it was Marcus Sasser playing really well. So I still think Houston is the class of this region, even though Texas, uh, you know, has high level talent. Um, and if they've got a little bit more time 
to kind of heal up their wounds. And I think it's a big thing, you know, for Miami, an overlooked aspect of Miami's win over against, against Drake guys was the, the center Omir had an extra day to, to heal up his ankle from the Duke semifinal game in the ACC tournament. I think the underrated aspect in this game is Houston gets that extra day from the weekend to try to heal up their injuries, the Sasser injury, the shed injury. So while I think Miami, they've got veteran guards, uh, they, they are certainly capable of going toe-to-toe with the Houston team. And to be honest, guys, Houston, uh, Miami's been a team that's been kind of underrated in the market almost the entire year. You think about a lot of those, you know, uh, unranked teams that were favorites against ranked teams. Miami mm-hmm. always seemed to buck that trend throughout the year. So this is a team that I think has been undervalued for a good chunk of the year. And even look at last night, market was majority uh, on Indiana in that spot just because of you know Trace Jackson Davis and, and what he's capable of. But I think this is where the rubber meets the road. I think this is just two teams that are uh, you know kind of similar stylistically, and ultimately Houston would be you know the way to look. But like I said. It's a lot of points uh, in this spot here, you know, for Miami against Houston. But I think sometimes, you know, reactionary Miami, one of the last games on Sunday night looked really, really good. And Houston, while they played great in the second half, I think you could argue three fourths of their first four halves were pretty underwhelming. So, um, you know, I I think Houston takes care of business here and uh, I would be looking more towards laying it than taking it even though those numbers, those uh, odds look kind of tasty to, to take the points. That all makes sense. And yeah, these are two teams that uh, I definitely had um, low hopes for coming into the tournament because of injury status, but it turns out everybody's just fine. So uh, yeah, here they are in the Sweet 16. Uh, the other side of the uh, draw here in the last game to cover is Xavier, Texas. And um, Xavier, lucky to be here. Texas running very, very hot right now, but the market is only asking you to lay four with the Longhorns. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm kicking myself, Drew, for not laying it with Xavier on Sunday because that was your overreaction game, right? Mm-hmm. What did we see? Pittsburgh won in the first four, held on, fortunate to win, and then they, you know, they hold Iowa State to 41 points and they win by 18. Xavier, on the other hand, incredibly fortunate to beat Kennesaw State escape, as you mentioned, in that 314 matchup. So the public was racing to take the Panthers and the points. And ultimately, Xavier played one of their best games of the entire year. They were fantastic in that spot. Um, You know, I still think at the end of the day, while Xavier has been able to overcome the loss of Zach Fremantle, you know, at some point, guys, you just got to be full strength. And this is one of their best players, you know, if not the best player. I know Suli Boom has been fantastic. And, you know, uh, you know, Adam Kunkel makes the big block against Ken- uh, Kennesaw State that that kind of saved the game. Honestly, it looked like, you know, the Owls had a chance to get the win there. And here he comes on the uh, actually it was uh, Nunji. I beg your pardon. Jack Nunji comes over from the block line side and, and blocks the shot away. So, um, you know, Texas, as you alluded to, Drew, I mean, this is a team that seems to be hitting kind of peak form. Um, sometimes I like to fade teams winning their conference tournament heading into the NCAA tournament. But sometimes it, you know, it bears out to just ride the hot hand. Look at, you know, UConn, the multiple times they won the title. Granted, that was kind of spearheaded by a, a phenomenal guard in Shabazz Napier once and Kemba Walker another time. But it feels like Texas, who's, you know, playing for, their coach and Rodney Terry to, to get the full-time gig. 
Um, this is a team that that seems to be hitting its stride here. The second half they had against Colgate was really darn impressive. Uh, they've got tons of talent. They've got veteran guys all over the place, and Marcus Smart, Sir, ja- uh, Sir Jabari Rice. Uh, you know, so something that you know, how will they be responding here? Uh, to this and and the return of Timmy Allen and more time for them to uh, to get him healthy. So, um, you know, I think Texas probably the way I would look here in this spot. But, you know, like you mentioned, Drew, sometimes market. Hey, is it is it telling us it's minus four for a reason? We'll see how this number moves. This was not a game that, you know, maybe of all the eight, this was probably the one I was like, uh, I don't know. It was kind of this the, the step back and wait here for a little bit. But uh, Texas, the way that they're playing guys right now, uh, they certainly could emerge from this region. And, you know, I think, you know, maybe could be worth a little bit of a look to come out of that region as you have the you know odds scrolling on the bottom plus 175, you know, could potentially be a look there for the Longhorns to emerge uh, out of this South region. Yep. And there are plus 900 to go all the way as well. All right. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell people where to follow you and uh, what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Yeah, each and every night, uh, myself, former NFL quarterback Sean King from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on VSIN. And if you want more college basketball fix, we will have multiple VSIN college basketball betting podcasts each and every day this week, starting tomorrow morning. Myself, veteran handicapper Matt Newmans is a part of that. So uh, if you want your basketball fill, we'll have a, a podcast for you every day this week moving forward starting tomorrow morning so uh, make sure you you check that out wherever you get your podcasts awesome thanks very much for joining us tim appreciate it all right before we get to my favorite topic on earth mba mvp (laughs) uh, a reminder drew the new mlb season coming around the corner there'll be mvp odds on that as well which i'm sure we'll talk about over the next six months uh new rules new stars so pair it with the roto world baseball draft guide get all the player profiles rankings and projections you need to hit your draft out of the park go to nbcsportsedge.com slash draft guide and use pennant 25 as a code to save 25 percent at checkout before we hit mvp looks like we have a quick uh question on my other favorite topic uh, Emmanuel, quickly, Ooh. quick word on six man of the year. Uh, <laughs> do the Knicks need to go on another run to keep quickly alive? I think they do. Uh, I think that probably the market fluctuations of the past couple of weeks and also just some voters coming out talking about six man of the year, it kind of leads one to believe that, you know, just with inertia that Malcolm Brogdon would probably just win because of the shooting efficiency and he's averaging more points and rebounds and quickly and it's a lazy award and Brogdon is the lazy kind of easy choice. So I think quickly only wins with noise and momentum that makes people pay more attention to his case. Uh, And that noise and momentum only comes if the Knicks finish on a run. So I think the Knicks have, I think the Knicks have the third easiest schedule left in the league. I think they're probably going to get a break today and play uh, the Wolves without Anthony Edwards. Who would be shocked if he came back from that, but he's questionable. So if the Knicks, I think if the Knicks close eight and two, they get them to 50 wins. Uh, then I think the noise would be enough that the quickly can definitely win. If they close like six and four, I, I don't think he's going to win. But I think quickly is very alive. I'd make the Brogdon the slight favorite, but I think quickly is is definitely alive. What do you think, Drew? I think he's alive for sure. Plus 250, I think, is a fair play. This should be closer to 50-50 in my mind. Uh, Celtics, I don't see an event coming where that team is going to flip the switch and people are going to enter 
you know, awards voting with any kind of Celtics momentum, like, oh yeah, this team deserves some serious uh, credit here. Whereas you mentioned it, the Knicks come down the home stretch. They have a tough at Miami uh, after this Minnesota game uh, on Wednesday. They have a tough at Cleveland Friday, March 31st. Other than that, they could realistically should be favored by four to eight in almost every other game on their schedule. Uh, and so for those reasons, uh, yeah, expecting the Knicks to finish with a, a little bit of momentum coming off of uh, that Saturday win against the Denver Nuggets. I'm not sure if you saw that, but the, the Knicks beat the Nuggets 116-110. Uh, uh, just uh, Jalen Brunson returns, and all of a sudden this team is uh, is amazingly good again. So uh, excited to see what they look like with Brunson you know, coming off of the injury, and, uh, and I do think they can finish hot. So plus 250 for quickly, I think, is a play. Yeah, I agree. I think that's too big. The other thing, just lastly on this, is that Rob Williams is expected back next game for the Celtics. And when Williams is playing, that makes Brogdon the seventh man on the team behind Derek White and the five starters. And the last time we saw the Celtics fully healthy, Brogdon was playing like 21, 22 minutes a game, taking five, six shots a game. So there's a huge chance that he kind of ends quietly, you know, putting up 12 points a game, 12, 13, the rest of the way, while this Celtics team, which has really bad mojo at the moment, and, uh, and no one wants to really reward them. So if that coincides with a Knicks surge, then I think quickly we'll win. Um, but yeah, it, it, is, it is pretty close. All right, NBA MVP, where Joel Embiid, who was... What was he a week ago? Is he plus 500, plus 600, that type of price? Big number, uh, yeah. And now he's minus 250. Uh, oh. Nikola Jokic. <laughs> which, yeah, we'll talk about that. That's a bit aggressive of an overreaction. Nikola Jokic is plus 300, and Giannis is plus 375. And Drew, we've talked about this offline, but to me, the entire kind of crux of the MVP race and what everything turns on is Philadelphia's remaining schedule. So this is Philadelphia's remaining schedule. And the added thing here is that they don't have any rest. There's maximum one day between all these games until the end of the season. So they play Chicago tonight at home. That's their Mm -hmm. easiest remaining game. Uh, But Chicago is playing better of late. That's not an absolute layup. Looks like they're seven and a half to eight point favorites there. And then it goes at Chicago, at Golden State, at Phoenix on a back-to-back, at Denver, uh, which would be massive, Home to Dallas uh, on national TV. Dallas, who destroyed them last time they played. Home to Toronto, who the market loves uh, and is playing really well. Uh, at Milwaukee, uh, yeah. which is going to be huge, and we'll talk about that. Home to Boston on national TV. <laughs> Home to Miami on national TV. At Atlanta, and then their last last day of the season at Brooklyn. That game's probably not going to matter um, for MVP. Everything will probably be decided by then. And so I think... If you and meanwhile, Giannis has an easier than average schedule. So if you told me that the schedules were the same the rest of the way, I would say that this is right, that Embiid should be minus 250 because he's on the path. But the fact that he has by far the hardest schedule in the league and basketball index projects the sixes to close six and six as an average outcome. Six yeah. and six. 538 projects them to close seven and five. If Embiid closes six and six, I think he's just done. Like he's not going to win. He'll have no momentum coming down the stretch. If he goes seven and five, he's also in a bit of trouble. So, and those are like the average projected outcomes, um, particularly if you're throwing in losses to Denver and Milwaukee as part of that. So, I think Embiid has a lot of banana skins that he has to avoid slipping on. Uh, and I think that that Giannis can count. But <laughs> what, what do you think of this? Uh, well, my first thought is why did the league do this to the Sixers? The schedule is 
unbelievably bad, poor, like unbelievable. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, someone does not want Embiid to win this award. Um, if the Sixers take care of business down the home stretch here because they are the only team of the kind of teams that are kind of preparing for the playoffs, if they are literally leaving it all on the court to get Embiid this award, the team, then they could win these games. They could go, you know, what, you know, 10 and 2 or something unbelievably impressive down the stretch. And then not only is all of the uh, goodwill he has banked in the last month come to fruition, but that basically clinches it, right? Um, I think that's unlikely. Uh, And I think the play is pretty obvious. I think you take Giannis right now, if you can get it in the four to one range. And I think you circle the, um, the Sunday between Final Four and Championship Basketball when everybody is literally like, oh, yeah, the NBA is around. Let's, what, what game is on tonight? Oh, it's Bucks Sixers. This is cool. Your top two favorites for the MVP are playing on, on a big-time stage on a Sunday. Like That's going to be one of the kind of most picked-apart games across the voting block all season. And Bucks are going to be four-point favorites, yep. something along those lines. Uh, so I think you take Giannis at four to one. Now you cover your stake with the play on the Sixers money line in that game. And there's still a reasonable path where both win, <laughs> but at, at, at worst, if Giannis loses that head to head against Embiid, uh, on April 2nd, and when everyone's watching, that's probably, you know, that, 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 that clinches the award one way or the other, I think. And uh, your, your point about momentum is extremely important in this context because, uh, you know, we've seen it so many times in this cycle. You know, Bucks win 17 games in a row. Everybody's like, oh, well, they should be champions. They're the best team. You know, Sixers are just burying the likes of the Hornets and the Pacers. And people are like, oh, my God, the Sixers. They're so good right now. Market race them the highest team in the NBA, highest power rate team in the NBA right now by market. That's crazy to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, momentum is everything. It's a it's a recency bias. You know, awards are recency bias incarnate. So uh, I think that's the strategy. Yeah. And to be clear, like if I if I had a vote, I'm not sure Giannis would even be on my ballot. Like I don't think it's <laughs> at all. Yeah. Uh, but I think that Giannis just like it's been not since Malone beat Jordan in '97 has the kind of consensus best player in the world had the best record in the league and not won MVP. And so I think that Giannis like. Possible index projects he's going to finish four games ahead of Embiid with the one seed and the, the best overall record. And if he does that and beats Embiid as what well, you're going to be like minus 170 money line favorites in Milwaukee, that type of yeah. range, yeah. it's going to be so hard for Embiid to win when he has the rest of this schedule. And like with Jokic as well, whose name that we should just say because he was like minus 400 to an MVP two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think people now have enough outs where they never wanted to vote for him. He was taking the decision out of their hands. And now this stretch of, you know, where they lost five or six, I think he has to sweep Giannis and Embiid in this upcoming round robin of death. Uh, he needs to sweep there and he needs to otherwise finish hot as well. So I think Embiid should be the favorite still with all this, but I would make Embiid like closer to plus 125 and Giannis closer to like plus 150 and then Jokic like plus 550. I just don't see the path for Jokic now unless he goes on an absolute tear. So uh, yeah, I think I think Giannis is definitely the bet. Um, and yeah, and you can and you can attack the position if you want to do that the way you said, where you can back Embiid in these individual matchups, which will have a ton of of uh, sway on on the final outcome. Yeah. All right. 
We are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for the, everyone watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Thanks as well to Elaine Rabakina as well. We're going to say her name <laughs> because she, uh, she, we'll talk about her another time, but she's playing like she might be the, uh, the best player in the world outside of clay because uh, she was uh, ridiculous in those last two matches. Uh, we'll yeah. do her another time. If you're listening to us in podcast form, uh, don't forget to rate and subscribe us from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you tomorrow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 